Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the proclamation of the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Akkadian to your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Matthew, Chapter 5, Verses 45 and 48 So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. The name that our pastor gave to this sermon is called to perfection. This promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times and generations, and it is addressed by Christ to his disciples. And therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to this commandment and cannot have a relation to it. This is astonishing, an astonishing place of Scripture. I always feel uh, trembling when I hear these words. My heart trembles each time, and I verify myself, to, I double-check, am I this kind of a disciple or not? Because after these words, people who are Christians divide into two categories. One category are those who accept the messenger of God. The others accept those messengers that were back in the day, someday. They don't accept living messengers. They accept and say, we are disciples, but the living the true apostles that are present and found in our time, they do not accept. For them, they don't exist. As one of our brother had said, the apostles have died out, but that's not so. The Lord yesterday, today, and forever is the same, and He has never forsaken or left His church without the person whom He has clothed by His Holy Spirit to represent the fatherhood of God. Today we will remember the sermon of Pastor Arkady and we will remember what the peace of God is. 
what properties does Scripture endow the peace of God that is called to keep our thoughts in Christ Jesus? But before this, we will remember, Pastor continually in every service, when he uncovers, if you know, some kind of topic, he begins with a repetition, continually repeating, repeating certain truths. And slowly, uh, we get further and further and further along. But we will leave this very same format that we have grown used to and all of us love. And what's interesting to me is that through repetition or in repetition, through the repetition of the disciples of Christ, there's a great principle that is contained in it. I will read what our pastor said about this principle. It is through our repetition of those truths that are known to us that God captures us into worship with Him in the Eden of our heart, which is the wilderness of our heart, in order to speak to our heart and to give us from there our vineyards and the valley of Achor. You remember all of these images very well, and I won't stop to repeat them. But it is from the wilderness of our heart, the wilderness, when a person has left all. Because Christ said, Who can be my disciple? Only he who has left his household, his nation, and his personal thoughts. For the benefit of the thoughts of the person whom God has established in order to interpret Holy Scripture. Alright, we will remember that the path that leads us to perfection was presented to us by Pastor Argadi in the image of the path that leads us to God as to our bridegroom in the event of the image of Rebecca's path to Isaac. We began to look at the science presented in the Bride of the Lamb whom Rebecca represents in the virtue of a lily of the valley that we are called to look upon with the eyes of our heart or eyes of our faith that we could form ourselves into an image of perfection inherent to our Heavenly Father. To look upon, the principle of looking upon, because words, the words that we hear, they call out in us in a certain part of our thinking, imaginative thinking. Therefore, when we look at our thinking, we those unseen things that the Holy Spirit writes through the words of the Messenger of God, we begin to see the image, how the Kingdom of Heaven will look like inside of us. It is un, un, unseeable to the physical eyes. And for this purpose, Rebecca left her nation, her household, and her former life to follow Eleazar to Isaac, her groom. in order to see the process of life. It, is it was necessary for Rebecca to leave her nation, her household, and her former way of life, and to follow after Eleazar, we remember. Eleazar is presented in Scripture as an image of the Holy Spirit that came down on the disciples of the Lord on the day of the Pentecost to bring this small flock to perfection in Christ Jesus. His name means God is help. We have noted that in our case, celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is not a specific day, but is a state of our heart in which we accept the Holy Spirit not as a guest, but as Lord and ruler of our life. 
which will allow us to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit on the conditions that are set in place in Scripture that we could be led by the Holy Spirit. As we know, a guest is not going to lead us. He is not going to command us, tell us, in order for the Holy Spirit to become Lord and Ruler, it is necessary for us to be taught and to know the principles of how to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Because Scripture says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8.14 It is when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit that we receive a unique and faithful opportunity to either accept the Holy Spirit as a Lord and Ruler in our life, in order to receive power from Him, and in Him to create total and complete separation from our nation, our household, and our corrupt desires, just as Rebecca had done, so that in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit, we could bring God the fruit of rightness in the subject of a godly life carrying within it the resurrection of Christ, or to accept the Holy Spirit as a valued guest and continue to remain dependent on our nation, our household, and our corrupt desires, meaning to remain carnal, to remain a carnal Christian, a person who is not taught how to accept the Holy Spirit as the ruler of his life, can never bind himself to the Holy Spirit. Pay attention, the verb, if he is not taught, the, dis, the quality of a student is present here. And consequently, he can never be led by the Holy Spirit or follow him to perfection in Christ Jesus. Because of this, he will lose his title as son that is expressed in salvation. Based on scripture, it is possible to speak in four in tongues and to not lack any gifts, and at the same time to remain carnal and lack the Spirit, and to go against everything that comes from the Spirit of God. Jude, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time. And here we are referring to those inside the Church of Christ. The world was always this way, because a person cannot mock that which he was never familiarized with. They would walk according to their own ungodly lust, not according to the will of God, but their own ungodly lust, based on their own personal eye. These are essential persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. We are talking about the faith that is expressed in the faith teaching, in the twelve base teachings. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And so, speaking in tongues and practicing gifts of the Spirit is a spiritual experience, but it does not make us holy and does not change the character that we inherited from the vain life of our forefathers into the character of Christ. Therefore, to change our character into the character of Christ, we need the truth about the cross of Christ that is contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, called to separate us from our nation, our household, and our carnal life. Without the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ, 
all of our religious works in the format of a virtue and our so-called evangelism is viewed by scripture as lawlessness for which a person will be thrown into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. By what signs should we define that our cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and not a forgery? And these signs in our heart are called to be the fruits of resurrection and the fruits of the tree of life, bringing the fruit of righteousness twelve times, giving us fruit each month, which yields the kingdom of heaven in our heart. The key that opens the path to the tree of life is presented in the image of the twelve pearly gates, which express our dwelling with Christ in his trials. Here we have the heart of a person that is highlighted here. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Luke chapter 22, verses 28 through 30. The fruit that we offer to God is going to be our mutual food with God. Given that the functions of Christ are delegated to His messengers, then the key that opens the path to the tree of life is dwelling in the trials with the messengers of God. When we stand in that teaching which we have accepted, then the first trial that we endure is our old man, who is going to challenge, challenge this teaching. We have always gotten used to search for something, someone that is challenging us, but this old man is in us, and we are called to uncover him and to place him into the prison, to bind him and place him into prison, as our pastor has said. And so the kingdom of heaven is expressed in inheriting eternal life that is presented in the tree of life, bearing twelve fruits, and each tree yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree which are for the healing of the nations. And Pastor has shown us that these leaves is being a light to the earth. When we begin to offer fruit to God, we are a light to the world. Then the world sees this light and comes to it. The twelve months of this sacred year, where the tree of life gave its fruit each month, are fruits of resurrection that are yielded in the images of the feasts and celebrations that occurred during each month of the sacred year. As it is written, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things. Hebrews 10.1 We have noted that the definition of the kingdom of heaven in the meaning sacred year, containing the twelve months, defines the order of the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, the sacred year in which the tree of life brings fruit from each of its twelve months is not bound to the three dimensions of time of a regular year that contains twelve months. The times of the year that with which we measure time, past, present, and future. But in Hebrew, the meaning of the word year contains the greatness of the redemption of God Bread for all eternity. And so, the sacred year containing 12 sacred months could be seen 
in the dimension of the spirit, in the heart, that is yielded by the fourth dimension. The meaning of a sacred year, which represents the image of the kingdom of heaven in time, does not only depend on time, but also rules over time. I'll remind you that we are studying the fruit of our spirit in the fruit of the tree of life of the fourth month, by the name of the moose, which we are called to bring to God to answer to the standard of perfection that is inherent to our Heavenly Father. In Israel, on the 17th day of the fourth month, the Mus, a fast was observed in memory of Moses breaking the tablets of testimony. In Israel, the days of the fast were considered a demonstration of sorrow in which a person afflicted his soul, and during prayer he spread out sackcloth and ashes to demonstrate before God the affliction and humility of his soul. Here's an example of how Ahab was humbled when he had heard the decree of Elijah. So it was when Ahab heard those words, and he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. First Kings chapter 21, 27-29 However, through the prophet Isaiah, God showed an outward form of fasting could not always coincide with the inner state of man. And this kind of dis- misbalance between the inner and outer state offended God and caused, dis- caused discontent in him. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Isaiah 55, 5. However, God, in the vision and deeds of His grace, intended to change the root of fasting and turn it from something sorrowful into something festive and joyful. And He said through the prophet Zechariah, And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, the fast of the tenth, shall be joy and gladness and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 18 through 19. Jesus had transformed this prophetic truth into a law and teaching for his fasting disciples and their followers, he said the following. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You see, what is the image of outward fasting God contained and placed in the heart of a person who began, who became this fast, this new man? In the fourth month, inhabitants of the mountainous regions began to harvest wheat, 
and the maturation of the first grapes began, which coincided with the onset of the summer heat. So in practice, each feast was accompanied by some kind of harvest, or rather, was the harvest of some kind of crop. The image of the event of the 40th day, as the days in which purification was made, which was marked by the breaking of the tablets of testimony, in which was represented an image of the teaching of Jesus Christ, destroying the teaching that we had that was against us. Because the word of God that is engraved on the tablets of our heart represented Christ himself. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. We, together with Christ, are called to lay shame upon the powers of darkness, to triumph over it in Christ Jesus. And this occurs when we reject the desires and lusts of our old man. If a person does not bring fruit of the new fourth month expressed in the broken tablets of the testimony as proof that he, in Christ Jesus, died to the law of Moses that he could live for God and live by God, and he will lose the salvation which he received in the format of a deposit, meaning this will happen if he doesn't cleanse his conscience. Here we have a process that is involved and is showed here. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. You know, this place of scripture personally helps me a lot. When in me there are desires that arise, the desires of sin or the desires that resist the will of God, I speak this place of scripture out loud. Try this. It is astonishing how momentarily, with time, God heals and this desire disappears. I don't pay attention to the desires of the flesh which it speaks. If it feels good or if it feels bad, I live by Christ. I was taught and I have accepted through instruction and faith the image of life in Christ Jesus. This phrase we can speak out loud. This is an image of our thinking, the image of the correct thinking of a righteous person. In this event of the breaking of the tablets of testimony, we saw the result of a confrontation in ourselves of two glorious, great, powerful, and tectonic laws. This is the law that gives power to sin 
and the law that deprives sin of this power. Both laws are individually divine and together represent the holy, eternal, and unchanging nature of God and His saints. However, before we, with the power of the law that gives power to sin, die for the power of sin so that we can live for God, it is necessary to be born from the seed of the word of truth. Otherwise, who is going to die? As it is written, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Creatures, James chapter 1, verse 18. We know that only that somebody who is uh, just born again, he doesn't understand that it is necessary to die to nation house with corrupt desires, and his desires momentarily are turned on and begin to serve God. He begins with all the efforts of his soul to worship God. His old man, who lives in the body with great zeal, helps him, and he pushes him to a service which God did not call him to. He can't do something with the Spirit yet, because the Spirit is still found in a state of infancy. Only being born from the seed of the Word of the Truth, we stand before the opportunity and need to die to the law, so that we could live for God through crucifixion with Christ. This truth we can hear only from the person who is anointed by God and clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God the teacher who represents for us the teaching of Christ. We must distinguish the justification we receive at the moment of our birth from the seed of the word of truth from the other kind of justification that we are called to receive as an affirmation of the justification that we have previously received, which in turn again is called to serve as a seal that is called to affirm our justification. There exists a big difference between the seed of justification through which we are born of God and from the fruit of this seed in which our justification brings fruit of righteousness and receives affirmation of righteousness. And so, with what characteristics does Scripture endow the word verity, justification, righteous, and righteousness? The etymology of these transcendent and holy words as verity, justification, righteous, and righteousness in Hebrew contains a rich and multifunctional semantics with lots of different images and shades. Because these words are revelation of who God is for us, what God has done for us, and what we ought to do to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And so, who is God for us in Christ Jesus? This is His verity. Verity is His holiness, law, covenant, justification, righteousness, lawfulness, commandment, statute, decree, court, justice, fairness, straightness, loyalty, truthfulness, consistency, duration, immutability, truthfulness, truth, wisdom, the light of life, honesty, sincerity, purity, resurrection of life, freedom of Christ, 
This is verity. What God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Justification. Justification is eternal redemption. It is ransom from the captivity of sin and death. It is the abolition of guilt or the non-imputation of sin. It is being taken into the ownership and the lot of God. Resurrection, adoption, resurrection from the dead. And now, a righteous in relation to man, who we are in Christ Jesus, how God views us in Christ Jesus. Holy, pleasing, innocent, without blemish, we are talking about our new man who was born from the word of God, from the truth. Honest, fair, free from oath, not bound by sin, dead to sin, alive for the truth, being in a covenant with God, trusting and hoping in God, pleasant, finding favor with God, he who honors God with tithes and offerings, being in God and rejoicing in God, propagating the fragrance of Christ. And now righteousness. What a person or what we ought to do, what a righteous person ought to do, what works God is going to impute to the righteousness of the new man. And so righteousness is a person who has hope and trust in God, he has faith in the fact that there is a God, and those who seek Him, He rewards. It is peace with God, based on a covenant with God. It is a consecration of one's dedication, observing the justice of God, the phenomenon of holiness and the performance of justice, the phenomenon of immutable joy, remaining in your assembly, offering to God a sacrifice of praise, honoring God with tithes and offerings, and showing goodness in our faith. With these meanings, we highlighted the fact that to see these terms as legitimate with regard to men can only be done in the format in the boundaries of the service of justification. Scripture sees all these terms in the format and the boundaries of the ministry or service of justification. So a new man has a legal right to have all of these qualities because it is a part of the New Testament, because a service of justification is founded and affirmed in the law of grace that withstands the service of condemnation in the format of the Law of Moses. And all of this is present in our heart. Everything a person can look at, looking into this teaching, he can see this in his heart, these two laws. And to offer himself up to service and to live according to the new law, to the Law of Grace, And if the format of Moses and the service of condemnation is founded on stone tablets and is written by God and was given to a sinful and lawless man, then in this manner he gave power to sin and condemned man to death. But after the breaking of these tablets, 
in which a person received justification. The new tablets of testimony were formed and were written not by God this time, but man. This is an image of implementing and writing truths and righteousness in the heart of man, which already had justification since he was born, thanks to the broken tablets of testimony. Considering that this form of justification that a person received in the broken tablets of testimony is an image of the new tablets of testimony written by man on the tablets of his own heart, could not judge the righteousness of God in man. On the contrary, it endowed a righteous person with the power to be a servant of the new law so that he could fulfill the will of God. As it is written, he gave us the ability, he made us sufficient as ministers in the new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because of the glory that excels. Or if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. According to these words, God's verity shown in the boundaries of grace moved in the broken tablets of testimony and began representing a new heart in the, in the tablets of testimony. This is the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ. The righteous person began, became, according to Scripture, a God-fearing man who honors the law of grace, lives by the law of grace, and does not sin against the law of grace or distort the truth in his heart. Does not distort the truth in the heart. And this is possible only when we renew our thinking. When we, through repetition, remembrance, and pondering upon Scripture, when we dwell in that teaching that we have accepted. We had to consider that verity is defiant and finds itself in the holiness of truth. It was necessary for us to define the root of these two terms and what grows from this root. According to the definitions of Scripture, verity comes from the mutual root of the two terms, holiness and truth. Verity is truth in action. And all of these actions occur exclusively in the boundaries of holiness, whereas the combination of holiness and truth reproduce themselves in verity the same way a father reproduces himself in his son or a seed reproduces itself in fruit. And so the holiness of truth defines the state of the heart of man, whereas the verity or the holy verity is expression of the state that is in the holiness of truth. And therefore, verity is called to be verified 
by the source of its origin or the holy word of truth and scripture. The judgment of every righteousness of God revealed in the broken tablets is eternal and comes from the truth of the word of God, which by nature is the source, root, and foundation of the judgment of every righteousness. Psalms chapter 119 verse 160 The entirety of your word is truth and every one of your voracious judgment endures forever. And therefore, now we will look at the purpose of God's righteousness in the heart of a person. Specifically, we have been studying that the purpose of righteousness in the heart of man accepted by him in the broken tablets of testimony and affirmed in the new tablets of his heart, give God the right for us to not be heirs of peace through the law like Abraham and his seed, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 13 The promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The purpose of righteousness is called to make us heirs of peace. The inheritance of peace is the treasure that contains all the promises of God that yield the purpose of righteousness or the goals of righteousness. In this manner, righteousness through the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace can and is called to guard our hearts and our thoughts in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. And so, if a person has not died, to his nation, to his household, and to his corrupt desires, and the justification that he accepted in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a deposit will never transfer into the quality of righteousness or a state of righteousness in which he would be able to bring fruit of peace. And therefore, these people will lose the promise that gives them the right to be called sons of peace. The phrase, these people will be called sons of God, speaks of the reward that is contained in the virtue and property of the name of the Son of God. The property of the peace of God in the heart of a person testifies that this kind of person is a peacemaker or the son of peace, which gives God the opportunity to give this kind of person the name of the virtue of the Son of God. Because the justification that a person received by the right of his birth from the seed of the word of truth, not from works, not from evangelism, not from striving to do God's work, but was given by the right of his birth from the seed of the word of truth and is transformed into a quality of righteousness in which he became able to bring fruit of peace in his relationship with God and his surroundings. 
pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. In this case, we are referring to a kind of peace that can breed, can be created only in the boundaries of holiness or expressed in holiness, the limits of which are yielded by the commandments of God. And so the peace that we demonstrate that is outside of the limits of holiness and is not an expression of holiness is lawlessness, for which we must pay the price of eternal life. Pastor warns us each time, almost in every sermon, for us to not try to have peace with the lawless people, nor with the people of this world, but only with those who call themselves Christians, especially with those, or especially we should not have a relationship with those who left the church because they knew the truth and gave it up, and the place where these people worship is called the synagogue of Satan. And so in Hebrew, the word peace is, it is one of the names of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Peace is the authoritative atmosphere that yields the order of the kingdom of heaven. Peace is God's rest, comfort in God, and prosperity in God. Peace is friendship in regards to the relationship of God and saints. Peace is safety, help, protection, prosperity, health, and friendliness. Peace is the most ancient form of greeting with which people greeted kings and one another and blessed one another. Peace is the covenant union or agreement made in God, the action of which refers to the responsibility of God and man for the fulfillment of their roles. Peace is a kind of relationship between God and man that is not blemished by sin. Peace is the state and atmosphere of the heart of a person who is dedicated unto God, who has trust in God, and who is contained in God. The peace of God is called to protect the rest of our heart and thinking, and it belongs only to the sons of peace. Protection, peace, belongs exclusively to the sons of peace. Peacemakers are the sons of peace. Because of this, to create the peace of God and be its carrier, and therefore pass it along to those who are like it, could only be the sons of peace. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Luke chapter 10, verses 5 through 6. The full image or illustration is presented in the following place of Scripture. Whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Surely I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Mark 6, 11. When we greet a person with the words, Peace be to you, and we greet a person with the teaching of Jesus Christ 
who came in the flesh, which became peace between us and God. Under the greeting of peace by which we must define the sons of peace, we see the order of the kingdom of heaven that is present in the sons of peace and the dignity of theocracy that yields the authority of God and the right of God. Therefore, people who call themselves saved but who do not acknowledge the order of theocracy established by God and their kingdom, which on earth is the church of Jesus Christ in the face of the bride of the Lamb, they are those people who through their lawlessness they produce not peace but division. And these people cannot be called the sons of peace nor the sons of God. Therefore, with whatever reasons a person may justify themselves, they do not acknowledge the order in the church, they are still called the sons of lawlessness. Whatever garments they may be clothed in to justify their lawlessness, the fact of their rebellion towards the words of the messengers of God who have been placed over them testifies of the peace they have lost and refers them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose water is cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah chapter 57, verses 20-21 through 21. According to Scripture, the names of people that have challenged His messengers and order that were established by God in His kingdom will be blotted out of the book of life and will be destroyed before God. Although you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand, and the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go forth from Babylon. Remember, pastor was saying, Go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing. Declare, proclaim this, utter it to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And they did not thirst when he had led them through the deserts. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Isaiah 48, verses 18 through 22. As we know, Babylon is the mixing of what is divine with what is human. All of the separations in churches occur specifically for the very reason that the word of God is distorted for the benefit of human desires, which are hidden. We won't see them from first glance. However, to better understand the nature of the peace of God, its purpose, and the conditions that are necessary to be clothed into this peace, it will be necessary for us to answer four classic questions. With what property does Scripture endow the peace of God that is called to keep our minds in Christ Jesus? What powers does the peace of God have in relation to man with God and man with man? What conditions must we fulfill so that we are clothed in the peace of God that is called to keep our minds in Christ Jesus? And according to what things should we test ourselves that we are the sons of peace and therefore the sons of God? But today we will answer or look at only the first question. This is the nature that is contained 
in the peace of God. And so, first, the peace of God called to keep our thoughts in Christ Jesus is one of the initial names of the Heavenly Father that defines His thinking that is directed firstly toward our full sanctification. Many saints think, how do we know the voice inside, the voice of God in us? Well, we need to study the nature, the nature of His Word, what God loves and what God hates. And here, specifically, it is written about our thinking, the thinking of the Heavenly Father that is directed, firstly, to our full sanctification, as it is written, for the will of God is your sanctification that we can be saved without blemish for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the place of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. But he will do this only upon our collaboration with him. This is one of the many places of Scripture that testifies that the Heavenly Father, by nature, expressed in his intentions that yield his thinking, although he is the commander of the heavenly powers and armies, he is peaceful. So the Heavenly Father is peaceful according to his essence. And therefore, as a commander, by the name of Yahweh of hosts, he is revealed when his peace, expressed in his order, is challenged. Only then he turns from the Prince of Peace into a God that creates calamity. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. The lack of peace and worry that today's world experiences speaks of the level of the mind that this world has that aims through politics to achieve peace by way of confrontations and wars or making democratic agreements. This is what Scripture says about the attempt to achieve peace outside of God. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. Be shattered, O you people, and be broken in pieces. Give ear, all you from afar countries. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 9 to 13. 
The definition of that which is the peace of God differs from the definition that peace is given by the human intellect, for whom the word peace first and foremost is associated with a lack of war, whereas the property of the peace of God in the heart of a person is called to keep our thoughts in Christ Jesus. This is defined as the reconciliation of a person with God. So when we ponder upon the truth of the Word of God, this reconciles us with God. Or, it is a lack uh, evil thoughts are enmity against God, and if we remember this place of Scripture, and true peace, the property of peace, can come only from the source of peace, which is God. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Second, the peace of God that is intended to keep our thinking in Christ Jesus is the virtue of the Son of God in the status of a Prince of Peace to establish in us the throne of David. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. The throne of David in the heart of a person is the throne of dominion and peace, multiplication of which there is no limit. The foundation or root and descendants of this throne is the virtue of the Son of God in the status of a Prince of Peace. And to affirm and strengthen the throne of David in our heart with judgment and truth, we are called to cooperate with the zeal of the Lord of hosts, yielded by the commandments of God. What is zeal? The zeal of the Lord is, are His commandments. Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Revelation chapter 22, verses 14 through 16. Compliance toward the commandments of the Lord that are included in the inheritance of peace and yield the law of peace. Give us the right to the tree of life, which defines the kingdom of heaven in our heart. The price for complying with the commandments, the yield of the peace of God in our heart, and give us the right to enter the gates into this kingdom, is being with Christ in his sufferings. 
It is specifically on these conditions that God reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5.19. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. If a person, whether he be Jew or Gentile, does not pay the price for the right to affirm and strengthen in his heart the word of reconciliation with God, that in this manner he does not express the rule of the Heavenly Father in the face of Jesus Christ over himself. Let's read it again. If a person, whether he be Jew or Gentile, does not pay the price for the right to affirm and strengthen in his heart the word of reconciliation with God, then in this manner he does not express the rule of the Heavenly Father in the face of Jesus Christ over himself. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is the Lord of all, Acts 10.36. God sent the word through Christ. It was Christ that was peace, and His word was the peace that had created peace between God and man, between us and God, when we had accepted this word in the, uh, in the lips of the messengers of God. Third, the peace of God that is intended to keep our thinking in Christ Jesus is the Holy Spirit given to us in the format of a deposit representing in us the inheritance of the peace of God. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John chapter 14, verses 26-27 The Holy Spirit is that very same peace of which Christ had spoken about here. If the Holy Spirit, as a form of a deposit in the inheritance of peace of God, is not placed into circulation, and at the time of the coming of God, when the building of our faith is tested, our faith will experience shipwreck and we will end up completely bankrupt and without peace. What does it mean to place into circulation? To place the deposit of the Holy Spirit into circulation means to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow the paths of the commandments of the Lord. Because the deposit of the Holy Spirit accepted by us in the format of the inheritance of peace is given to us not for flesh and blood, but for the reborn spirit in order to bring it to perfection. Therefore, to use the powers of peace for our carnal life means to disregard the inheritance of peace that is intended to be unveiled in the revelations of the Holy Spirit and to present our carnal abilities to Him in the format of our fleshly mind. This is what King Saul had done when the time came. Again, this is what King Saul had done. So Saul already could, he understood, he could control himself. When the time had come, uh, to submit to the revelations of the Holy Spirit received through the prophet Samuel. He opposed these revelations and placed his own thoughts above the words of Samuel. 
he thought that that, that that would be better. Because of this, he also said, I don't understand it in this way. The portrait that is written, an interesting portrait. Because of which the Holy Spirit, who was called to yield the powers of the peace of God in his heart, left him, and the distressing spirit fell upon him by permission from God, and he began to rage in this house. I remember a place of scripture when it is written. When the house is cleansed, and if it is not taken up by something, by the Holy Spirit, then the spirit, the unclean spirit that had gone out, he comes back and he sees the house is clean. He takes seven, seven in the likeness of him, and then it is written. The last, this is worse than the person had before. This is talking about the thinking of a person. when a person has authority he begins to understand that he can rule over certain things in his life but he continues to advise with his own intellect and think that he is better that he is smarter that's why this person will not notice that the Holy Spirit will leave him and in this place, an evil spirit will come. And so 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 10 through 12. And it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand, as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear, and he said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. And in an astonishing place of scripture, David was the person who took the crown that belonged to Saul because he never opposed the revelations of the Holy Spirit with his own thoughts. place of scripture if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes and his own life also he cannot be my disciple whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke chapter 14, verses 26 to 35, the words of Christ. Fourth, the peace of God that is intended to keep our thinking in Christ Jesus is the glory of his new temple that is yielded by the body of Christ in the face of the bride of the Lamb through which he demonstrates to us his peace. The brook Haggai 2.9 The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Under the glory of the latter temple refers to the glory of the Church of Christ in the format of a specific local church in which we could receive the revelation of the Holy Spirit about the powers and purposes of the inheritance of peace. And if we are not in a church in which the Holy Spirit unveils the inheritance of the peace of God, its purpose and how to maintain it and keep it in our heart, then at the day of the coming of the Lord it will be found that we did not have the peace of God and that we traded it for empty words. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25-31 through 31. Fifth, the peace of God that is intended to keep our thinking in Christ Jesus is the kingdom of heaven inside a person with the components of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. In these words, this is referring to the kingdom of God in the heart of a person that is yielded in his heart as the fruit of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Galatians 5.22 Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are the equivalent and expression of the works of righteousness. Because only a righteous person can practice righteousness and bring in God the fruit of righteousness. And as we have said before, all of the components of the fruit of the Spirit are equal and in balance in relation to one another. They are found in one another. They come from one another. They uphold one another. And they identify the truth of one another. 
And an infant or a babe in Christ who is still, still a carnal man cannot accept the kingdom of heaven and all that is related to the kingdom of God. But the natural man or the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritually, he is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, before accepting the seed of the kingdom of heaven from the preached word of the messenger of God and bringing fruit of righteousness, we must leave infancy in the face of our nation, our household, and our corrupt desires that characterize and yield a carnal man. Sixth, the peace of God that is intended to keep our thinking in Christ Jesus are the mountains of the feet of him who brings good news and peace to Zion. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns, Isaiah 52, 7. This is referring to the heart of a person where God has reigned. In this case, we are referring to the mountains of Zion. Therefore, the good news of peace is directed to first and foremost to the dead sheep of the house of Israel. Pay attention. God does not intend to save the fallen wolves, although they were clothed in the garments of sheep. Dominion and fear belong to him. He makes peace in his high places. Job 25 verse 2 if a person does not see and does not accept the beauty of the mountains of the feet of the one with good news, who spreads joy and peace to Zion, this will mean that this person has not yet placed himself in Christ Jesus, who is the Lord and ruler of the heights of Zion. A person who has not accepted the messenger of God. Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The thing is, is that the heights of Zion and the feet of the one with good news on these heights are united together, and it cannot be presented without one another. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, that will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah chapter 58 verses 13 through 14. 
And seventh, the peace of God is intended to keep our thinking in Christ Jesus is His unshakable law of peace that, or covenant of peace that serves for us as evidence of His mercy. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my mercy shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. Mountains and hills is an image of rule and authority. Therefore, in this case, we are referring to the mountains and hills that serve as authority for us and a standard of imitation. But in fact, they will betray us and use the power of their authority to withstand us on our path of fulfilling the will of God. In Hebrew, mountains shall depart means will seize their influence and retreat. Hills will be removed means will be rolled down. The mercy of God in the format of the law of God's peace, unlike the authorities, will not depart from us and will never be shaken. Isaiah chapter 49 verses 13 through 16. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. You have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, your walls are continually before me. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 13 through 16. Your walls are continually before me means your walls are a constant memorial before me. Your walls are continually before me means that your walls is a continual remembrance or memorial before me. And therefore, to be a wall is the ability to unveil our desires before God in prayer with thanksgiving. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6-7 through seven. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving itself, refers to the presence of a faith that pleases God, in which a person receives on his account that which is in the account of God. And in this case, the inheritance that is supposed to be placed on our account is the peace of God that is intended to keep our hearts and thinking in Christ Jesus, which points to the fact that our mind belongs to the mind of God, because the mind of God in this verse placed on our account are the thoughts of God. The seal, the seal is pondering upon the word of God. And therefore, the higher the level of our renewed mind, then the higher will be the level of peace that is called to stand watch at our renewed thinking to keep our hearts and our thinking in Christ Jesus.
Everything depends on us ourselves. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah chapter 5, 55 verses 8 through 11. And Pastor then summarizes this by saying, But God will clothe us only into the word which we proclaim. Again, God will clothe us into that word which we proclaim, not just have kept in our heart, but that we have proclaimed the faith of our heart. Because the word of God is that material with which God created us, and with in which God gave birth to our new man, and that is why He will clothe our bodies into this word. Amen. Let us pray. Our time has passed. Let us pray and thank God for that word that He has given to us through our Father through the person whom he has sent into our life. And let's bow down before this word, and amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that in Christ Jesus you with the law of the Spirit of life have freed us from the law of sin and death. We praise your holy name for the deliverance of our body from the law which had discovered sin and gave power to the sin. We thank you that you have entered in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and today we are joyful and rejoice waiting for the adoption and redemption of our bodies. We await for that time when our decaying body is called to be clothed into immortality and this time is found under your authority. We languish knowing that this promise belongs to us and that it lays on our account in Christ Jesus. Our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, may your word penetrate. May it bring peace to the heart of every person whom you have chosen to be an image of the likeness of your Son. And this is possible when accepting the preached word in the words of the person whom you have sent. We, Lord, give you the opportunity to clothe us into your peace when we proclaim with our lips that word 
which you have spoken through the word of your messengers. Only their word can become the faith of God in our heart. We have known and understood that you fulfill only those words which a person will accept and keep in his heart. When they are sealed in our conscience and when they become the measure of legislation in our life, in our behavior, in our words, in our garments, we thank you that with your word you have built in our heart the cedar door of righteousness through which the Holy Spirit has entered as Lord and ruler of our life. As you had once said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in and will dine with him and he with me. Our Lord, we thank you for this table. We thank you for this royal feast that is coming to an end. At the end of this royal feast, at the door of our hope, you will return to us our vineyards, and our valley of Acor. You will deliver us from our evil enemy, but we even today can triumph in Christ Jesus. And to say, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? You have said that you will fulfill this. We thank you for your divine order, for all of your ministers whom you have placed in your church, for Pastor Daniel, for the leaders of cell groups, for the ushers, for the musicians, for all saints. But we pray for our dear Pastor Arkady. We know that our temporary separation will serve for greater joy upon our meeting again, when we will be able to be comforted by our common faith and be affirmed in the word and the instruction which you, Lord, have prepared for your church through your holy person. We bow down before you and worship you, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present, to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.